<laughs> All right. Are we on? Okay, we're on. All right. Welcome to the Shop Class Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, coming in. And uh, tonight we got a musical guest. No, I wish. That would be awesome. <laughs> it's like Saturday Night Live. Uh, no, uh, dear friend, Mark Bowseret. He's also a shop teacher at the college level and at the high school in the same space, but also... Uh, in in his personal life, he's a machinist and also an artist. He was a photographer, and he's 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 got a play, plays a mean guitar, uh, surf music, which is what I call surf music. It is awesome. And we got some new people, but let's see. Let's say how to the regulars first. We got Duke in the house, and Matt has run off to take care of the kitties, and uh, David, and we got Kirk. David, where are you from? Okay, I'm originally from Massachusetts, but I reside now down in uh, South Carolina. And it's funny, I met Mark years ago at a uh, IDSA, Industrial Designers Society of America, meeting oh. at uh, Rhode Island School of Design. So uh, we've been oh. like brothers ever since. And uh, so it's really a pleasure to be here with you guys. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks yeah, for coming great. in. And uh, Kirk, Thanks. where are you from? I'm from Bloomsburg. Up in Pennsylvania, okay. based in the middle of the state, and uh, teaching a high school. And it's a small school. We graduate about 100 kids a year. So I'm sort of the, the show at the high school level. So I, I teach a variety of different subject matters from CAD to robotic design, you name it. I touch into it in some way, shape, or form. Wow. You're kind of like Barbercheck. You're, uh, you're sort of the guy, you know? Oh. That's Kirk, Kirk ran the uh, robotics event at Knobles, the okay. combat robots. So I emailed oh. him a couple weeks ago because I was interested in that. And then I sent him the link for the Shop Class podcast if you wanted to check it out. But nice. uh, yeah, it'd be cool to have him on, highlighted, you know, see that how is combat robots work. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, um, that's great. And we got Tim in the house. He's a regular. Tim's got a new background. He's looking different here. Yeah. He's out of the basement. <laughs> out yeah. Of the basement. <laughs> yeah. Who let you out of the basement? I'm in my front. I'm in my front room. Oh my God. I thought it was a background. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's my neighbor. There's my neighbor across the street. <laughs> you can sell that background, dude. <laughs> that's so funny. All right. Well, basically, yeah. So, um, so yeah, tonight's guest is Mark, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, just starting out, you know, Mark's how I met Mark was through, I started working at the college as kind of a sort of a adjunct professor position, but it was like a, a consultant for their electric car program. And, uh, I, I basically, I saw that there was this guy in the shop, you know, and I was like, Oh man, this is the guy. Cause like, I can't get this car done without the shop guy. So, you know, like I started buddy, buddy with him and then turns out he rides motorcycles and he's got a machine shop and he's got one. I have a, a similar, actually what started was I had a similar machine as him except his is all nicely restored and mine is still sitting here, not moving. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> and so that started the conversation and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, a million times over his house, like, Hey, can you fix this one thing? Or can you just machine this one thing for me? And we became friends. So he's been trying to get rid of me ever since, but it, I, you know, he can't shake me. So 
here I am, and I actually dragged them on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, um, uh, so Mark, so let, let's start with what you're currently teaching. Like, what do you teach now? You mean right now? What's going on right now? Okay. Yeah, like at the college, like what you teach, you teach a, um, you know, like intro to welding, intro to machining. Like what are the classes you teach? Oh, okay. Well, this yeah. right now for summer session one, I'm teaching uh, the Applied Tech High School uh, basic machining class. It's called Machine Tool Principles. And they're getting very basic information about using a metal lathe and a vertical milling machine. Um, they also get some information about surface grinding and abrasives in general. Um, so that's that program. And the reason actually that we're doing this over the summer, it's actually not summer for them yet. Their school year ends like most school years for uh, 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 high school and middle school students is uh, the end of June. So that's why this is running. Um, but we were hybrid during the semester. Um, this program has the students getting college credits while also completing their high school diploma. So if they're on the proper track, they can actually come away with a two-year associate's degree uh, while they get their high school diplomas. So it's it, we, we've always been trying to work towards these kinds of uh, articulation agreements and cooperative agreements. But the Applied Tech High School is actually part of the county school system so this makes it very easy for us to have coordinating uh schedules with the county community college so um so that's what i'm doing right at the moment but the manufacturing technology so, so wait i don't mean to interrupt you but so no, the, go ahead. Kids, the kids who take your that high school program they get college credit and they're on the college campus they are on the college campus in fact the school itself their school is a building on the college campus. They they uh, uh, took over one of the buildings that was designated for their use and they redesigned it, uh, the interior of it, in order to accommodate their particular uh, needs. But oh, they're, yeah, yeah. But they're coming over into the college and they're taking regular college classes. They're not mixed with um, with the, the with the traditional college students. They're not mixed with them, uh, but they are in the same space. And the courses that they take are regular college courses. They're not high school courses. I got a photo of you in your shop. Uh-oh. It's a little out of context, but you're helping us set up the... Um, oh. Yeah, that was you help with the plasma cutter. But if you could see in the background, I know things have changed. Yeah. But you can see in the background, he's got uh, vertical mills and he's got a whole bunch of lays and then uh, some guy trying to get into this draw system. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then uh, I know that, who that is too. Yeah, is that Aeon? Ion, right? Yes, Ion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this is cool. So he's got he's got like the capability to make so many different things, uh, which is kind of cool. This is the electric car program we were doing. So that's Mark working with working with the students, uh, working to putting a marker on it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but so these kids come in, and you teach like a high school class. And then from the high school class, they're in this shop still, right? Yeah, they're doing all the same work that the college students would be doing. That's you know, so they're, cool. They're taking a regular college class, so it's run exactly the same as the college classes. There's no consideration for the fact that they're high school students. It's just, yeah. that, they're, it's just that they're on a different schedule, that's all. And they're not blended with college students. 
Right. Okay. So, oh, they just don't mix in the room, but it's the same room. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the same. Can you imagine if you were in high school and you got to go to a college campus and use all the same equipment, machine shop equipment, and then get credit for it? I mean, that's great. We're we're doing dual credit with my kids, on the but they don't go. To, we won't go to the college. But I'm actually trying to get the college to send their kids to me. Oh really? So we're trying it to flip it. The high school's got a better situation than the community college, though. So. Wow. Yeah, does anybody else have a situation like that? Well, we're we're trying to um, the high school that I teach at is an apprentice academy high school. So what we're trying to do is turn it into kind of a voc tech experience, mm -hmm. but also provide apprenticeships with the students and typical program with the local community college where the students will also, when they graduate, get an associate's degree in industrial design technology. It's a very new thing. We're, we're trying to launch this for the next year. Of course, COVID kind of screwed us up with this entire thing. But, uh, you know, I think you're seeing a lot more of that nationwide. Um, especially with this national initiative for um, um, workforce development. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, actually, Mark, you're kind of on the cutting edge here. You know, uh, how long have you been doing that now before pandemic, right? Oh, yeah. This is, uh, I think this is the, I'm going to guess, I'm not sure, but I think this is the fourth year now. So this is their fourth graduating class. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. And, the, and these are these are juniors. This is a juniors class, by the way. And then the yeah. seniors, the seniors do. You know, before we started, uh, I was talking with Matt describing the uh, the concepts of industrial design course, which is for seniors. So that's that's what they do with me to finish off what uh, uh, you know what they started with the year before. Um, okay. I wanted to add too that the college bergen community college also has developed a number of relationships with high schools where they don't come to us but they do get college credits or a course that they took at the high school level counts as college credits but that's limited that's not to the same extent uh as as what this applied tech high school oh i see so like if i had a program that was aligned with your curriculum we mm -hmm. could apply to i remember we were starting to do this yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. I just forgot to follow it up. But yeah, it's possible to have your shop class get college credit. It's not a bad idea. Um, I wonder what it takes. You know, do, how, who do you have that aligned with? Uh, Hackensack High School, which is part that's in, in the county. Um, they're all in. Well, no, they're not all in county. Uh, we have um, uh, Passaic Tech, which, which is in Passaic County next to us, next to us in Bergen County. Yeah, uh, Passaic uh, County Votech. Uh, they have a uh, articulation agreement with us. We've had a number of students from them come over. Um, I mentioned Hackensack High School, which Hackensack is the county seat for Bergen County in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, let me see who else. Um, a number of other schools. I don't usually know where the students are coming from. Uh, you know, that's been handled by our. Uh, articulation uh, counselor and uh, those agreements are very formal uh, there's a review of our syllabi there's a review of their course outlines uh, there's also a review of the high school teachers 
uh, capability so that there's similar um, similar pedagogy coming from the high school into the college so that there's an equivalency. Okay. And some of the high school courses, I have to say, are pretty comprehensive. I mean, they're doing an excellent job. So uh, most of the time, that's fairly easy to do. We've only had a couple of schools that didn't really qualify because they really weren't properly prepared. Uh, but that's a rarity. Most of them, you know, are doing a good job and the students get in. Yeah, that's cool. What Matt, what were you saying that are you getting kids with college credit for your program? Yeah, so the seniors, we're teaming up with our local community college. Uh, so and we, we have a few classes that already do this, but the, the high school can get dual credit for just taking my class. So it'll be whatever it is, like carpentry one and carpentry two, which goes to like a construction certificate. So the seniors just pay the fee to Lincoln land. And then I just have to put grades into another grade book. It's pretty much our syllabus is actually a little more comprehensive than what their class is. And I've had, I've had some graduates take it for their, and then I, when I taught for Lakeland college, when I taught at the prison, I taught this same course, like same certificate course and stuff. So, but I'm, I'm nice. working on, we, we made a, we made an offer to Lincoln land to send their students to me for like the night class or whatever to the job site two days a week. So I'm hoping they do that because then they would pay me as an adjunct teacher. Um, actually a highly paid adjunct teacher. And as far as adjunct teachers go, <clears throat> yeah. which would be a nice little bump and pay for me for sure. So, um, nice. but yeah, we're, we're trying to make things like that happen, but yeah. So the kids just come to school, come to class normal and then they get extra college credit. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking about doing, it. I just didn't follow up with it. And then, uh, Mark, what are the college classes that you teach right now? Um, well, I'm the primary instructor for the manufacturing tech program. So, um, I'm teaching everything except for, um, a solid works class, uh, which we have a, a very good instructor. He's a mechanical engineer by education. His full-time job is as a mechanical engineer, and he's using uh, actually uh, a pro engineer, Creo, he's been using for many years. Uh, we had him teaching that for a while, but we found that a lot of companies were moving away from ProRe and they were going into uh, SolidWorks. Um, and, uh, you know, I see heads shaking because that's probably the case in, in many instances that uh, schools are going with SolidWorks. Um, and I know that's been marketed pretty heavily. Um, uh, so he's teaching SolidWorks. I'm not doing that. And he's very good at it. He's the perfect guy for that. Um, and then um, we have another, uh, another adjunct uh, who's been doing an applied metrology course for a number of years now. And I taught that originally, but uh, then... You know, we found him and he was able to do a very good job with that. Uh, so he took that over. But otherwise, everything else I do, which includes uh, two, two <laughs> a quick list, two levels of machining, a machine tool principles, one and two courses, uh, welding technology, one and two. Uh, then we have a course called materials processing and fabrication, which is essentially material science. And then fabrication techniques that really dovetails with uh, the welding course, especially welding two. 
Yeah. Uh, let me see what else is in there. The Concepts of Industrial Design course, which is an intro to ID sketching and uh, concept modeling. Very, very basic concept modeling. Um, hmm, let's see. Well, oh, we have CNC Programming 1 and CNC Programming 2. Um, we have an adjunct now. We just found he's uh, an employee of a local company that's uh, very heavily involved in CNC uh machine machining and um and he's he's been really good so far but he only just started and he didn't even get to finish his first semester and when covid kicked in and i have a terrible feeling that we're going to have a hard time keeping him because he, he's just going to have a, have ended up so frustrated oh yeah imagine uh, starting during covid that's crazy yeah <laughs> I, and i and i hope that isn't the case but you yeah. know it, it we i don't know it may come to pass so yeah, you can tough it out yeah well you know i'll give you his <laughs> number and you can call him and give him the the pep talk because uh <laughs> you know I, I can only do just so much to to uh to get somebody in um i i've taught drafting basic drafting drafting one um and uh, you're kind of like Timmy over here. Timmy's done like a multiple, like, like every class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I can relate Mark with uh, having all these preps and different content areas that you really have to, you basically run the gamut on and you know, you got, you got to know a little about a lot and yeah. uh after a while, you just almost want to focus on something, and that's kind of why I took the leap to go to a different school and do right. the woodworking realm of that too. You know, I got tired of being the, you know, I guess jack of all and trying to do everything. But it almost seems like I've gotten to I've gotten to do more now, in addition to what I've already done, but with a little bit more consistency. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I've seen that too as like a double-edged sword. For one thing you know, I've done a lot of different things and I like the variability. I like doing a lot of different kinds of courses and, and having a different approach to things, but uh, you're right. There's something to be said for being able to kind of focus down a little bit and, and be consistent. So um, yeah, I like the variability, but it's also stressful. I've taught, I've taught a math course when I had to, um, you know, I've wow, been at no yeah, I, ta- I taught basic math at the college, um, you know, because the students, when they come in, they take a placement exam. And, you know, if they don't score very well, then they'll place them in either a basic math course or they'll put them in an algebra. You know, it's a high school level algebra course. And of course, that's part of the mission of a community college is to get students up to speed. Um, uh, but yeah, math. I've been asked to teach uh, a photography course. I couldn't do it because I was already overloaded. Um, every semester I teach pretty much my maximum load with maximum overload. So, you know, I'm typically teaching five, five courses a semester, six courses sometimes. Um, I actually taught seven one semester and I thought I was going to jump off a bridge. Oh my God. Yeah, that sounds nuts. Uh, that, that's just insane. And, uh, you know, and then of course I support the STEM program at the college, as Ron, you know, right. and um, you know, and it's not only my own project, as you know, it's like the only <laughs> voice of reason in the STEM program. 
Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny when uh, some some of the engineering students hate me because they they come and they want me to because I also do all of, not all of I shouldn't say all of but I do a lot of the 3D printing. Uh, we have two Stratasys machines, um, so I do a lot of that. And uh, uh, the, the engineering students just really really hate me because they they bring their designs to me and I'm just like, what are you doing here? This is not. This is not efficient. This is going to be a, a you know a lot too much weight for what it is they want or whatever. And uh, Dave and I have he's laughing because we he and I have had conversations about that. And uh, oh yeah, I, but but it's the truth. Uh, you know, I I try to make sure that they understand. The, these are students that want to become engineers. Yeah, I am not by education an engineer, but I think that I have you know, from my experience in, in manufacturing, a sense of what engineering is supposed to be about. And there, and, and, and then again, you know, it's not a big stretch for me to see that because they often really don't understand what engineers do. And I think- How dare you question their plan? Exactly. It's just like, if you're going to build a part and, and Dave will uh, relate to this because we've discussed it. Um, how do you build a part that's going to go on a high altitude balloon project and it's filled with parts that are held together with nuts and bolts? What's wrong with that picture? Yeah. Okay. You're just building a lot of weight onto something that should inherently be as light as possible. And, uh, you know, so it's all obvious things. It's obvious things like that. So, um, yeah, this is the picture Ron's got up here is one of the, uh, the lathes, uh, a, a really excellent student. Oh yeah, Jan. Yeah, Jan's worked worked with Ron now uh, recently, and yeah, I hired him personally yeah. out of for my uh, home shop for doing a project. So he got I think, started. You know, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Uh, I think part of the problem stems from the fact that a lot of the parents just don't understand what the difference is between engineering and industrial design and just makings, and you know. Of course, every, you know, every parent thinks their kid's going to be an engineer for the ones that actually show that kind of aptitude. But I think that's where we, you know, industrial design plays a big part for me because I was one of those kids that didn't have the heavy theoretical math acumen, but was a very creative person, always loved to build things. And I think that this is the kind of thing that we can integrate very well in the shop classes that we do teach um, and then maybe help on a career path to push people in a uh, trajectory that might be more commensurate with their capabilities and maybe their goals and interests. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I went into industrial design. That was my uh, that was my major. And I don't know, engineering was not even on the horizon for me. I didn't even know what it was. And uh, uh the only reason I did engine, um, industrial design is because I had, you know, you could you could draw what you wanted to build, and then if you wanted to build it, there was some slack in how much you needed to know. That's what I thought, but then you actually get down to it, and you actually got to build. You need to make prototypes, and then you, you got to understand how to go from a prototype to a manufacturing. Uh, so injection molding and different plastics and whatnot, and you know. Yeah, they don't they don't cover this stuff in high school. They just it's all theoretical, you know. 
so that's kind of, you know, that's a rough ride. So then when they hit a professor who's, you know, like Mark and Mark's like, yeah, you can't do it like that. You should do it like this. And, you know, they probably get upset, which is what I, I felt at the college when I was there, too. They would get like kind of nasty, too, sometimes because they don't want to hear no. And you're not saying no, you're saying do it better. And they don't like do it better because, you know, they're going to you're going to they're going to break the machine or they're going to waste material. And you're just like, you're not going to let them do that. So then they're like, oh, you're in my way, you know, so they, because they're in college. So they got the uh, they got the attitude now, uh, whereas in high school, they'll listen to you or they'll give up, you know. Uh, so college is a different bag. It's kind of a weird deal, you know. You know, and the, other, and the other thing is, I kind of like I like that point, Ron. I mean, and even at even in the high school level, I like I like the kids to give a little pushback in terms of you know stressing their design or explaining why they're picking a solution or you know the you know describing why something needs to happen the way they think it needs to happen. And they almost don't they don't give you that that you know those are the stuff that you want and it's almost like you really got to pry and question it and really, you know, direct the question specifically to them saying, well, why did you select those two materials? Why did you glue things that way? Why were, why did you use this type of screw? And sometimes they just, they, they don't fight. You want them to fight back, but they don't, you know, and it's, and the things that you don't want them to fight on, they fight you on. Yeah. You know, they're like, afraid to fail. They're, they're afraid to yeah. make a mistake, you know? And, and like right yeah, now, we're, you, working, yeah. we're working on Go these end grain cutting boards. And I told the kids, I said, listen, you know, sanding sucks. I get it. It's horrible. Um, we can run your cutting boards through a drum sander. I can get them flat or we can get them flat. But the problem is you're going to have to sand, if not more, with that. And I tell them, listen, you need to sand at 80 grit for a long time. And I said, because it'll make it better later in the process. <laughs> I can't hear the, I'm trying to imagine yeah, Timmy talking to a kid and be like, all right, look, just keep on doing this. And he's like, do I have to? Yeah. You know? yeah. well, they don't it's sweat equity. And it is, yeah. I mean, and, well, that's, and, and that's what it is. It's like, yes, you have to, I'm telling you, because you want to be happy with this artifact that you're making. Because yeah. not only not only is it, it you know a product and a project and skills being taught and skills being learned, it's an artifact. That artifact is going to be with them for the duration of their life, you know. And you want to and and you want to make sure that you sanded the most you could sand. Because in twenty years you, you don't you're going to say to yourself, "I wish I sanded that more," because I can still see so saw marks. Yeah, and then for me, Tim, like the kids, like getting kids to sand just nail hole filler and putty, so it's light sanding, easy. It's I mean, you're sanding sponge on trim because we were prepping for paint, and I was trying to explain to the kids. I'm like, look, sanding sucks. It's the thing I hate the worst. That's why I'm making you guys do all of it. <laughs> but I was like, it's super simple. Like it's the simplest thing you can do is take this sanding sponge. You can't even mess it up. Just sand and I go and you sand till it's perfect. Now to them, it is sand till I don't like doing this no more or till I'm bored, which is about 30 seconds into it. 
and then they stop and they're wandering around the house. I'm like, no, sand. I said, once you think you've got it perfect, sand for another one, another minute, and then you know it's perfect. I said, it's because like, yeah, anything we done. spray on top of this is going to come out. Like, right. paint, paint yeah, doesn't, right. it doesn't fix. It covers what's there. Like, if there's an imperfection, yeah. it paints the imperfection, and now you just have it a painted imperfection. Like, oh my god, yeah, talk about. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, talk about an artifact. Uh, you're, you're building a house that's supposed to last forever, right? Like, yeah, you want it to look old, as good as possible. A, yeah, the, the old you can't make a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear comes to mind because it's like you know. Listen, would you buy this? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know when they're trying to do a rush job or they don't get right angles together, they don't fix properly, they're not sanding. You know, and then they put a coat of paint on and they wonder why there's bubbling cracks, gaps, you know, you know, you know, Mr. Mitch, and then they try to cover it up with, you know, extra layers and they get these, you just get this mess. And it's, it's really like, you know, guys, you need the time. I always, I always uh, use the analogy of the path of the craft. And I talk about the, you know, the great samurai sword makers from the feudal samurai period. You know, I mean, they worked thousands of hours to, to hone that craft. And, you know, it just didn't, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to go out and make a sandwich, you know. Yeah. And it's just to get them to buckle down and to see the, you know, the attention to detail and the commitment to the craft is, I think, key. It's more, more important than the actual piece that they're creating. Yeah. Well, the, the other but, thing is, like, they... they I think some of the kids see it as, yeah, this is just a little bit more organized means of me throwing some things together with my, you know, my dad or, you know, my pop in, in, in the garage. And then when it's, uh, you know, when you're in the class and you're telling them, like, listen, this is how you got to do it. You know, they're like, man, this is this guy's intense. You know, it's like this. It's got to be good. Like that one, like that one cutting board you just showed, Ron, on my Instagram. You know, that was that one was done very well. It was done very well. He followed the he followed the instructions, you know. Went through the procedures. Went through, yeah. This one that uh, yeah, this one nice. that you have up there, like the the kid was all in, you know, literally all in. You know, not that he pushed back on what he was doing, but he was all in and taking the tips, the pointers, the techniques, and and going from there. And I mean, you you walk away with a beautiful piece of project, there, you know. Yeah, that's cool. That's this yeah, very nice. I, yeah. You know, it's pretty rare that I get a kid who um, I have two paths on this, like on this topic. I got two directions that I go to. Um, what I do is I say uh, this is very difficult. What what we're showing here with Tim, what he did and what Mark's talking about and what everybody's talking about. That, that's extremely difficult to get the light of kids fire and get the kid to understand the path of the craftsman that David just mentioned that that is like probably the most difficult thing I think to do. Uh, the other path that I take for a, for a quick, but it's not a craftsmanship uh, thing. It's like an engineering thing is I do a, a short run contest. Uh, so we make these flashlights, the flashlights got to survive a destructive test. Uh, you know, we break, we break shit. And then, they have to iterate very quickly and become better craftsmen and better engineers very quickly with stuff that we're going to throw out anyway. So I admire the shop teachers that take the time 
to do like a long, you know, thing where it's like this well thought of piece and it's like well engineered and all that. I, I do that, but I only do that ever so often. And it's literally based on like if a kid is willing to take that path. I've had some kids weld up a chair. I'll try and find some photos of that. And then the other one is the is the my flashlight project, or I have another contest, a little car project. And yeah, I, I it's just this takes a lot of patience from the teacher. You know, you guys are amazing. I don't know how you do it. You know, well, you know another thing was like I last last year 2019 fall semester 2019 I, I came up with an idea with having the kids you know basically come up with a some sort of electronic sign like an led desk sign or desk lamp or something and um now i, I mean i did 90 percent of the work the kids uh designed their laser engraving for what it, what they wanted it to say and then we went through the design part we went through the design process in terms of how to, you know, assemble a circuit board, how to take a circuit board that was designed for another purpose and repurpose it for into a, a usable product. And, you know, now, you know, I was intending on doing that same project in the, in the spring of 2020, but with COVID, you know, schools closed nine, you know, now, now it's 2021 and now I'm trying to revamp the, revamp the program and coming up with different ideas. So this year I took a, or this semester, I took a different project with the same intention of turning it into an LED sign. I actually haven't posted anything about this in Instagram, but I, I asked, why are you holding back? I asked, I actually haven't had any, I haven't had time to take pictures of it, but uh. um, I asked a student to help me come up with a design and it was really like pulling teeth. Yeah, and it was. Here's what I did in the past. I want to modify it another way. I want to have the potentiometer exposed, but yet I also want to have the circuit board contained. And these are all the parts and things I have. I just don't know what to do. So let's brainstorm some ideas. And and the student really didn't come. He didn't put. He didn't come to the table with anything. Right. It was disappointing to me. Yeah. So like, for instance, I got, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's the most difficult thing to do is to do a high craftsmanship thing. So for instance, here's this girl that took my class. Uh, she did a, 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 this stool thing where she, it was broken. So she modified it. She did a little brazing as well. We were trying it. Then she did some TIG welding. Uh, I guess she was fixing this. There she is right there. She's five foot nothing and she's rocking and rolling in the classroom. It was awesome, you know? And then she made these brackets and I said, hey, make it out of paper, you know? And I didn't design any of this stuff. I just said, hey, you know, try it with paper first. And then she spot welded that. And she had to, you know, take a, a cover from another seat and she riveted that. And, you know, the whole thing, she finished the whole thing and then she sat on it and then she said, can I take this home? And I'm like, absolutely. That chair was broken. It's yours. You know what I mean? Like you're the one to put the work into it. So, and she wrote like a whole blog about it. That was my only requirement is that she had this, you see, she wrote like every, every details like written down, you know? And, you know, to me, these are, yeah. That, you know? that, that, 
right there is probably the most valuable thing that right. you were able to give her is the confidence to be able to document her process because she's not afraid to share it with people now. And I think yeah. that's one of the biggest hurdles that we we have is because a lot of these kids are so afraid to voice their opinion or expose right. themselves in a way that you know makes them vulnerable to maybe being wrong or maybe not um, you know having the right solution. And I, I think that is really a testament to um, what education really should be about. Yeah, I mean. You know, yeah, because you know, like they're they're every all. It's weird being a shop teacher. I tell kids all the time. Every teacher is telling them the exact opposite that we're telling them. We're saying, "Fail to learn," and all the other teachers are saying, "Don't fail. You need to do what we tell you." You know, so like, you know, it's like it's a conflict. But I laugh about it. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you. I, this is my opening line to everybody. I'm like, I'm going to tell you something all the other teachers are not telling you. You need to break some stuff. You need to fail, you know? And they're like, huh? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, so here's the, with the paper. What I do to save material is I just have them do it in paper first, which sometimes they get mad about that. Why can't I just do it in steel? Because uh, you don't I, have the I tried yet. that. Like, I tried that. Like, we were making prototypes of candy dispensers last year yeah and when i said build it out of cardboard they were like this is wood shop we're supposed to make stuff out of wood yeah but i want you to make it out of cardboard that's not right that's not right i said well you're gonna have patterns yeah then you can go right to wood and then the time that you are going to invest that the time you're going to invest um in the pattern is going to save you time during production later well so so Absolutely. that's why i mean yeah so that's, that's why I mean it's true. He's right. That's right. Sorry. Go ahead. And, yeah. and, and then they're like, well, how do I cut the cardboard? Use a table saw. Use a bandsaw. Well, yeah, yeah but what? But I, you can't do that. Yes, you can. It's a material. Yeah. I don't care whether it came out of like a, you know, a Keebler, you know, box or a cereal box or a box for a refrigerator. Uh, you know, it's good. The process is just like any piece of wood. Mr. Tim, what, what's yeah. key? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. They don't know what Keebler is. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's just like. No, I know. This is I'm my example kidding. to you, but what I'm just yeah, saying yeah. is, like, they don't, they don't understand. They don't. They think wood shop. Wait a minute, I should only be working with wood. Right. They don't. They don't envision like. Oh yeah, cardboard a, is a modeling material. Cardboard's a yeah, that's made of fibers, you know? Yeah. Just like wood. You know, I'd like to add something to that too. And and I think that is is that the students often underestimate and undervalue that's really the better phrase. They undervalue drawings. Oh yeah. And you can solve so many engineering problems just by creating a drawing of it. And when you have you know, in my instance, STEM students coming to me and they want to 3D print parts over and over and over and over again, creating all these iterations that and, and it's not just about money, but it's also about time. You know, they're spending a few hundred dollars on materials, wasting a few hundred dollars worth of materials and spending tens of hours of printing time only to have something come out 
that they're like, oh, you know, it's it's self-evident to them that this is something that's not going to do what I wanted it to do. And I say to them, where's your drawings? You know, and then they don't know how to draw. They don't even know how to make a basic sketch. And so this is why I push back on some of the pure engineering instructors that say, well, they're going to be engineering students and they're only going to use SolidWorks or Fusion 360 when they go to their four-year school or whatever. And, you know, my my colleague, uh, Matt King, uh, teaches basic pencil drafting. He also teaches CAD. He's a certified CAD trainer. He does a lot of private uh, training for companies. And, you know, I totally agree with him when he says, look, CAD is just an electronic pencil. And if you don't know what the rules are and you don't understand ideas of design, then it doesn't matter what the media is that you're using or the medium, I should say, rather, uh, whether it's a, a piece of paper and a pencil or it's a CAD drawing, 2D or 3D, whatever. Um, you need to work some of these things out in advance. And, you know, Ron, Dave, you know, you guys know, of course, that a quick pencil sketch can solve so many problems. Yeah. Without ha without having to get to the point where you are cutting out cardboard, and then you do need to incorporate that three dimensional component that Tim that you've been talking about, where you know let's make a cardboard model of this, let's suss it out, especially you know if you're bending sheet metal or something like that, you know that's a no brainer. Cardboard becomes the sheet metal easily. Yeah. Um, so uh, and and that's what my ID course does with the concept models is try to get them to be familiar with some materials and yeah. some basic tools. Why is it that students do, they have no concept of basic tools anymore. They haven't built, you know, uh, you know, my generation, you know, we built, uh, you know, I'm of the putting the roller skates on, onto a board and making your own skateboard, uh, uh -huh. you know, nailing yeah. them on, Never mind screws. You nailed them on. Um, Go-karts, you, know, you know, like soapbox derby, stuff right. like that. All that kind of stuff. And, you know, talk about making mistakes. I mean, this is what you did was you made a lot of mistakes. And you learned the dynamics of how a hammer swings and how to hold a screwdriver so that you can drive it efficiently. And you do that over and over and over again. And sanding. You learn yeah. how to you learn how to sand things. You also learn the, the limitations of materials. Wood has certain limitations, plastic has certain limitations, metals have certain limitations. But when you learn how to take advantage of the advantages of all of those things and use them in the correct way, which is what engineers do. That's why the, a material science course is important for them to understand the difference. Oh yeah. Um, so, so it all, it all ties together, but basic skills and basic tool use is really, uh, you know, lacking in, 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 not in the schools, because I think that the tech ed teachers, the shop classes are doing a fantastic job and I'm absolutely, you know, in support of that, but I don't, I don't see it happening in, in homes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I encourage students to put a toolbox together or a tool bag. You know, That's get, a, yourself, get yourself a carpenter's hammer and a, and a straight, you know, slot screwdriver and a tape measure. And That's a great point, Mark. Because you know, I, just, I think, you know, I think what we should do collectively as a group is maybe kind of put that in our bag of tricks 
and say, all right, guys, here's the toolbox of the blank, you know, construction uh, foreman, the industrial designer, the mechanical engineer, and and then you know, maybe do a show and tell of right, these are the tools that some of these folks use, um, because I, I I don't see that, um, you know, they always want us to right to the the real expensive stuff you know go right for the machines go right for the cad the solid modeling all that kind of stuff and i think a real basic you know um knowledge of how to put together your own toolbox or toolkit at home would be extremely valuable you know in these courses see now i was you know obviously you know i'm like <laughs> That was too frustrating for me. I I absolutely can't have these conversations. It's very difficult to have these conversations with the kids about craftsmanship, although I will. But here's my extreme reaction to that. So what I do is I, I do a contest where they got to make a flashlight, right? So they got to make a flashlight, and there are very few rules. The rules are... Uh, it's got to have a light that we measure. It's got to have, it's got to survive a five foot drop and it's got to turn on and off. Okay. And then here's where it doesn't end there. So like if it ended there, it would come down the craftsmanship. Here's where I gamify it, where they, the energy they have, instead of directing the energy at me, the guy stopping them and saying, no, 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 please, you got to be a little more crafty and da, da, da. What I, what I do is I say, okay, the lightest flashlight wins. Okay. So, so all over the map, 23 grams, uh, 16 grams, 11 grams. But if you could see, you see this 138, here's what you get in the first week. You get this huge thing, right? And then I say to them, if I if I personally said to them, hey, you know, here's my personal opinion. You guys should use less wires, a smaller switch, and I personally think that you should be a better craftsman, right? Can you imagine the pushback? Maybe one or two kids for the whole year would do it. The rest of them would be like, this is fine. It works. You know, you know, you know what I mean? So what I do is that I show them, I say, Hey, good job. Good job. And I'll give you a grade for that. You got to document it, but you weigh 138 grams. And they're like, how much does the best people weigh? And I go, uh, last year's winner was like three grams. And they're like, what? <laughs> so they can't even. Yeah. And then on their own, they tear the switches apart. I did not do this. They start ripping apart switches. They start they start getting down to like seven grams. Look at this. No wires, direct soldering. I didn't tell them to do that, although that's clearly what the move is. You know? So I gamify it. And then they have, you know, this is them like this is the this is a little video of them dropping it. So if the computer works, I don't know. Here we go. So he drops it. Okay, he picks it up. And then he's got to turn it on. It's on. And then he's going to weigh it. 
30 grams. Good job. 31. All right. And he didn't win, but he's happy, you know, he's he's proud of what he did, you know. And that kid actually, believe it or not, he worked for Chuck E. Cheese doing repairing the, the quarter machines. And I was like, dude, that's good. So so this is my solution. Meanwhile, I would love to have you know, people do look at this. Look at this. Look how large this is. This this huge platform that she made. I couldn't. I could I couldn't even explain to her. I was like, this thing's too big, you know? So anyway, and then I give out awards and whatnot. Uh yeah. So that's my response to the to the to the you know to the craftsmanship issue is I just go, okay, you guys are gonna fight yourselves. <laughs> Anybody else gamify their class at all? I have a game for my students, my college yeah. students. Yeah. It's it's called keep your project out of the garbage can. <laughs> I'll I'll go through the whole thing. I'll explain what's wrong with it. They understand it. I'll do some drawings yeah. to improve what they need to do, and then I put it in the garbage can. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a, a somewhat different attitude about it because I get frustrated with adult students. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like they should know better. I think a lot of the stuff that gets brought in is that there's, there's something wrong with the way that they're thinking about what's good enough. Um, we also have a... Um, in our drafting and design program, we have an architectural focus in one of the programs, and the the primary instructor for that is a you know master's degreed architect. He's you know he's designed some wonderful things, and he's got very high standards. But in spite of all of that, and in spite of all the the, the tutelage that he provides uh, aside from the classroom. He had a student one time in, a, in an art, architectural design course that came in with what was essentially uh, a bunch of firewood. It looked like firewood piled up, and he was presenting oh my that. God, that's really funny. I, I wish I had pictures. Somebody must have some pictures of it if I can find them. And it, it was just it was just beyond us to understand how he thought that that somehow could be interpreted as a good as a good project. Um, but these are college students, and I think there's a little yeah. less tolerance. Uh, I, you know, when when I was in uh, my my BA is in fine art, but I changed kind of at the last minute because I needed to get finished up. I started out and did most of my undergrad work as an industrial design major, and I was in a lot of classes that uh, you know, I'm not justifying this, but I was in a lot of classes where you know during critiques, I mean, people cried. I mean, the criticism was harsh, harsh. Him, you know. We were I, talking about this last time. I, I had a, I had a project that I thought I did a really good job on. I really did, but it's obvious now, after the fact, that there was one glaring fault in my project, and I got ripped apart for that, and you know, it makes you straighten out. Now I'm not advocating that necessarily for the high school students because you know, there's a different dynamic going on there, but, uh, but you I, can I, pull that with certain kids. Yes, you can. That's true. Cer That's certain true. high school kids. You can pull that with. Mm -hmm. And there's been ones like 
like I had a kid. Actually, matter of fact, it was Shane when we had Shane on a couple couple weeks ago. He made this, this he made this bowl and he wouldn't listen to what I was telling him to, to do. And he just kind of went on his own route to do this ring for his his bowl he was making. Mm-hmm. And he he came in and he goes, it didn't show up as well as I wanted it to be. And I says, Are you do you want to do it your way again? Because your way stinks, or do you want to do it my way and we'll have some fun? And I said, throw what you had away. We're going to do it my way. And that's what we did. And he was, he was tickled pink. And certain kids, you can get away with that. And, but there's a lot of kids you cannot get away with that because they'll go, they'll shut down immediately. They'll mope, they'll mope out the door, down, down the hall to their locker. And then that's that. Then they're done for the rest of the day. Well, and you don't want to, you don't want to ruin the passion. If they've got a little bit of passion in them, to want to make stuff. I think that, you know, I mean, that it's a much more positive methodology to point out the things that are working before I'm criticizing what isn't. But I also, in no uncertain terms, you know, um, make it very clear that there are things that are acceptable and things that aren't. And real life is like that too. You know, you go out there and, you know, if you're in the building trades and you're working on a home um, and, you know, you really screw it up, you could cost not only yourself a job, but also um, cost the company real money. You know, it's the, the old Homer Simpson whistling as is the plant is melting down behind him, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, leaving his desk. You, you can't. You can't do that. And it's just like you have to own up to it and understand that, you know, there is a thing called quality control, quality assurance. You know, these corporations have whole departments. That's all they do. So, you know, I don't know. I I guess I I don't want to rain on on my kids' parade, but I also – I think I'd be doing them a disservice if I just let them get away with, you know, the, the mediocrity. You know, I always yeah, say, sure. I agree. achieving new heights in mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult I, I, I when you're dealing with, yeah. It's difficult when you're dealing with aesthetics. So that's why, you know, like the flashlight, it's a number. I, I nailed it down to a number. But with the with that chair, I mean, she clearly can sit on it. And then it just, then it came down to aesthetics after that. And, you know, it's like one of those rare things where she was asking my opinion. She's like, what do you think of this? And I was like, well. Cause, and then it's like, great. Isn't it really nice when you get on the level and, and the kid's like, okay, this is my plan. I'm like, all right, let me hear it. And then they let, you know, and then you're like, okay, well, that's cool. Except you, I would do this and I would do this first and da, 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 da. And then it's like the magic. That's like the best time, you know? And those kids are like, oh my God. And then, you know, they, you clearly they go on to great things. So that's why I say it's the most difficult thing to do. And it's super rare, uh, but it does happen, you know? I mean, uh, J- James yeah. Dyson, right? What? What do you make? Five thousand prototypes before he actually made the Dyson, you know, vacuum cleaner that we all know and love. Yeah. I mean, you know, that just goes to show you that it's not an easy, quick fix. And you know, always want to. A lot of the students are always thinking, "Well, you know, the first thing I come up with, Eureka! I've struck gold." Yeah. You know, and it's just like, you know, wait a minute, hold, on, you know, 
It's even, like foghorn leghorn. Well, I say whoa then, son. You know, even tonight, you know, the reason I was late is because I, te I teach a, I taught a private class on what I call small engines. So it was like a crash course, but it was at someone's house. So the, uh, the uncle had bought the class. So I went over there with engines. We run the engine, we take it apart and we put it back together. Well, while, while we're doing that, this kid has never even seen the inside of an engine. And he's asking me, how do I make more power? And I go, just relax, you know, <laughs> you know, but you can't say that because well, what, what, what about this? What if I put a turbo on there? And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. You know, so like they never, uh, you know, uh, one thing at a time, you know, uh, I think I lost my train of thought, but, but I was jumping off of what David was saying. Um, but, but basically, yeah, like, the, you know, these kids need to have a little bit of a, a, a like a stepping stone situation to go on and then they can you know jump off and go crazy um just switching topics for a sec uh uh mark did you want to show us did you have something prepared as far as like did you want to show us any um uh projects you're working on because he's got some cool stuff going on at the house there um i you know i don't think i have any pictures here i i'll have to take a second and uh and look to see if i've got anything that I can. Uh, That's all right. That's all right. Share. I... Do you have that? Um, do you have that video that I sent you? That might be. Uh, it's only about thirty seconds long. That might be interesting. Oh, to look uh, at. Yeah. How did you send? That? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that. Hold on. Is yeah, that, let me pull it up. Is that something that? Uh, yeah, we could do that. Would be relevant. Well, while you're while you're setting that up, I I, I watched that. Well, I, I started to watch. And then, uh, <coughs> then the school day started, but I started to watch the, the stare at and the the caliper presentation oh, the video yeah the video that you had there and and I, and that's that was very good stuff oh yeah that's i actually have it pulled up right now yeah that's yeah that's what i started to watch yeah he does a real good job with uh like mark's very diligent so or, or like detail oriented so he's going to go over the whole thing you know uh yeah this is a pretty good one right here yeah, this was this was shot as a preparatory video for the um, machine tool principles one class, and uh, because they have to have a caliper, each of the students is supposed to supply their own caliper. Um, you know, at the college we do not have mass numbers of my, uh, micrometers and calipers and depth gauges and all these other things. I have a few. Uh, and most of the time, the students don't need to, uh, you know, have all their own stuff. But I think it's, uh, besides the course, I think it's good for them to have an inexpensive caliper because you certainly can use that in many, many, many different ways in your own life aside from any kind of a machining environment. So that's, uh, uh, that's I, I use fine. I use a caliper in my woodworking class all the time now. I never used to. And I, I wish we were taught that. I mean, I just think it's so beneficial because of accuracy and, you know, and, and just finesse in terms of, of craftsmanship. So absolutely, it, it, it was, I, I wish I was offered to have to buy one of these. I mean, I felt like anything that I bought for college really was not um, unneeded, an unneeded purchase in my you know, tenure in college. That, that's the way I feel. But 
I feel like there were a lot of things I should have had and I didn't. And this yeah. is one of them. Well, let's get yeah. back to kind of starting your own toolkit uh, attitude, you know, getting some basic tools, getting some basic measurement tools. And I also make a point in the machining class that you're now working to thousands of an inch. You're not working to fractions of an inch. You're working to thousands of an inch and try to make that relevant. And, you know, we, we covered a lot of that. I taught the applied metrology course uh, this, uh, this spring semester. And that's all about, you know, precision measurement and quality control and uh, consistency and uh, geometric dimensioning and tolerancing. And trying to get them to understand that you know, we're now working to very fine levels of resolution and, and small amounts of material and how that's managed. And this is the beginning of that. And, you know, I agree with you, Tim. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have a caliper when I was a kid. I would have loved a caliper when I was a kid because I was always measuring stuff and I was always looking for ways to make things better. You know, I was into model railroads. I was into slot cars. I was into model airplanes. Uh, you know, gas engine powered model airplanes and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I just loved all this stuff. And I, I wish there was a, a high school program like what you guys have described that you're doing back when I was in school. You know, they had a wood, wood shop. We didn't have a metal shop, but uh, I did take wood shop. And that was really the extent of it. And I'll tell you what, the reason that I wasn't in some of the good courses is because I was on an engineering track, they so-called, okay? I was on a college uh, track to go into engineering, which is not what I ended up wanting to do. Um, but because of that, I was shunted away from the more practical thing. I would have liked to have taken more woodshop classes, but it was only required that you took one. And that was it. And the rest of it, I learned on my own. Um, wow. My father, my father was a construction worker, but he really knew nothing about really how to make stuff. He knew how to do his job and he did it well. But, uh, you know, when it came to tools, he liked tools, but I used to bust my father's chops all the time because I'd be like, Dad, when are you going to take that tool out of the box? You know, he'd buy stuff. And they leave it in the box and leave it pristine for 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, you got a whole shelf full of tools you're never going to use, you know. And I would tease him about it, which, you know, had no effect on motivating him <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> None whatsoever. Yeah. You know, also, I should say that, you know, it's interesting because I think, Mark, you fill in, fall into the multifaceted category similar to like Tim or, you know, all these other shop teachers in here is that, you use your skills from other industries. So I know you have a photography background. Right. And, you know, see so if you go here to the caliper one, so this is like an overhead cam. Like, can you just tell us about this setup? Because it's like really well done. You know, like, okay. I mean, I, you know, really like, simple. I know. And when I say that, I know Mark's going to say, well, actually, it's got this flaw, that flaw. No, 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 no. From my <laughs> perspective, this is good. <laughs> Um, no, I, I'm satisfied with this. I, you know, um, All right. this is very simple. Uh, this is the desk that I am sitting, actually it's a table that I am sitting at right now. And it, it's just like a generic heavy duty office table and there's nothing on top of it for background. So it ends up being kind of like this taupe colored background that 
actually works pretty well because it doesn't glare too much. And then I, I used some one inch square 16 gauge steel tubing and I made myself uh, two legs with an overhead bar and drilled a couple of holes. I clamped it together, clamped it to the table. And I have a, uh, a Home Depot, I guess it's 18 inch long, um, very small diameter fluorescent tube. Uh, that's overhead. That's where the lighting has come from in these. And I have a, a little ball head with a uh, a Canon M3 camera, which is a small body and the stock lens that came with it, nothing special. And uh, I can zoom it in and out. So it's handy because I can really. Um... Can you do, can you do, uh, can you show us it or is it pot? You know, oh, I don't, cause... I don't have the camera set up at the moment. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, no problem. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. One of the things I do too is is I have um, I have a, I have Canon's top macro lens. Um, I switched over to Canon. I shot with Nikon's for 17, 18, 20 years almost, and um, among other cameras. And I got away from the Nikon's. I had gone to Nikon digital cameras and I, in the early days, and I wasn't satisfied with with any of it. So I switched over to Canon stuff, which a friend of mine used and I get the kind of images that I want now with the Canons. So I bought Canon's top macro lens and, you know, I shoot a lot of stuff with that now. Um, but it's not perfect for every situation. So I just ordered just this week. I'm expecting it Friday is, uh, um, uh, an Amscope, uh, microscope. It's a trinocular microscope. So it's a binocular stereo with a with a uh, a camera port. Well, uh, slow down there, cowboy. What are you talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, can you explain this so I can look it up. It's it's a microscope. It's a trinocular microscope. So it has three ports. Trinocular. Trinocular. Yeah, it's it's not that exotic, you know. So there you go. Trinocular. You. Not Kalar. Right. Try and you you had it most of it. <laughs> we're we're still working on spelling with him. There you so. go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Trinocular microscope. Scroll down. There you go. Yeah. Good job. Nice job with the trinocular. That's it. Excellent. So you know, look. look. <laughs> so. Remember, it, Ron, remember, scroll remember over the, three. Remember the whale from last week, Ron? We can get paybacks, okay, buddy? <laughs> that's good. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Third, third, that one right there. Right there. This one? Click, yeah, click on that. As you can tell, this is, we, there's a, a bit of a ball-busting uh, element to this group. <laughs> well, part of it's part of it's that we're both from we're both jersey guys yeah so, and and we're literally we're literally about an hour away from each other and we can we we just fling words back and forth between each other yeah well ron you you know i don't bust your balls either right so. yeah 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 mark's holding back right now uh, I'm, I'm being i'm being uh uh polite okay so yeah. so you can see that there's there's two openings for your eyeballs you know <laughs> And then, and then, those are the things you see with Ron, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which Ron doesn't use all that often. <laughs> and then, and then the third one, the third eye. Ah, okay. All right, is the camera. Now I'm I not going to get it. 
Try try Ron means three. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so this is this is one of their uh, uh, digital camera backs that goes on there. Obviously, it's got no controls or anything. Jesus, Mark, what are you going to use this thing for? <laughs> no, I'm going to mount. Wait a minute. Let me finish describing this. So I'm going to mount my own camera on here because it's better resolution and it's easier for me to work with the images. And um, I thought uh, I had hobbies at home. These. <laughs> well, this will be. Wait, this will be my. This will be my fourth microscope. So shut up. All right. So, um, <laughs> so this one, uh, I already have the camera adapter that goes to the Canon system cameras. And, uh, this is designed to have a, uh, high level of magnification, but a lot of distance between the subject and the lens. And the purpose of that is to work on things like, um, printed circuit boards and uh you oh, know, wow. re repairing components things of that sort um and um it, you could almost call it more of a macroscope because we're not you know going into like a couple hundred time magnification or although this goes to 90 so that's really pretty high um but i want my primary purpose for this is to show metallurgical features oh wow uh geometry of cutting tools things like built up edge fractures that you normally wouldn't see and be able oh, to that. show those. See, there you go. It shows you the kinds of images you can create. And this way I can show images of this in the classroom. And I can also, and I can also shoot video through it too, which I've been, all my videos that are posted are shot on uh, my two, my two Canon cameras. Oh, that would be pretty interesting. Oh, actually one's on a, a Panasonic camcorder too. But anyway, that's the idea for this. So I'm always trying to think of new ways to bring images to the students, because I think that my students, our students are inherently not only kinesthetic learners, but they're very visual learners and they need to see stuff. And they're used to looking at everything. They're used to looking at YouTube. They're used to looking at images of things. And I think that's very helpful. Even my older students, I, I've had students into their 60s uh, and older, actually 70s. And, you know, the people that are drawn to this kind of stuff really are very visual people. Hmm. Interesting. What is the yeah, back? Let me, uh, let me weigh in on something here. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things that I think is incredibly important for these kids to understand too, not just kids, but everybody really, is the structure of nature seen at a macro level mm. will inform us about the strength of materials, how things are structurally laid up, and and you know provides a lot of new ideas in terms of how they can then become, you know, shape formers, how they can then create um, layers of complexity without overloading the material aspect, but also creating strength and rigidity where, um, you know, using a simple level of, of um, added, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, laminate, uh, la you know, laminates in the, in the structure. And I think that's incredibly valuable because from a from a strength of material standpoint and also from an engineering engineering economy standpoint, um, this is something that a lot of students really need to understand that there are multiple ways. I and mean, if you look at a spider silk, for example, it's 10 times stronger than steel 
if you were to scale that up to human scale. Um, so generative design has become such a big thing. Oh, now, yeah. it's, it's changing the whole um, manufacturing world, really, because it's uh, providing, um, you know, new, new, uh, new solutions where they previously weren't. Yeah, this is really cool stuff coming up. Yeah, really cool. You know, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to just add a little bit too. Um, Dave and I have been friends now for many years, and and we've done a lot of different things together. And um, we did a uh, uh, design design for plastic injection molding workshop at uh, UMass Lowell, and we also visited the um, uh, the uh, biological uh, laboratory at Brown University. Dave, what's the name of that? That's the woman's name that that's named after. Oh, you're muted. Your mic is muted, Dave. David, your mic's muted. I'm yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. the, uh, it's the Edna Lawrence uh, Nature Laboratory at Rhode Island that's School right. of Design. That's right, but it's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's it's by Brown University. Place. It's up by Brown. Yeah, literally across the street from. Yeah. So and 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 Dave's very much into you know biomimetic design, um, you know, which I think is really, you know, very innovative. That's really a a great way of looking at things, and, and a lot of industrial things now are borrowing from the design uh, of nature, you know, designed from nature, or, or at the very least inspired by nature. And I think that's another thing that's important for students to understand, because I also don't think stu students get out in, into nature much anymore uh, either. You know, they're, they're, they spend too much time in the house, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and, they're, and they're not doing and they're not working with tools. No. That's wild. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, um, what uh, uh, I just wanted to go over now. What is this video? Let's go over your YouTube channel a little bit. Oh, okay. What's this video about right here? Well, you know, this is just about a super ultra basic video to get the students to understand how to get an arc started with stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. That's all. It's not meant to teach you how to weld. Um, it, it's, it's really just about the ways that you get an arc started. And that's all I'm showing in this video. Nothing else. It's, it's, yeah. it's, that, it's that basic. Mark, do you have a video on how to, how to mow your lawn? <laughs> uh, uh, or or dial a phone to call one eight hundred got junk. Yeah, oh we got God. snake. I thought that was one of Ron's cars. Well, listen, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, Duke. Yeah, no, no, no. I got Ron's, rid of Volvo. Ron's cars look just like that, except they run. So that's I think that's what he was driving tonight. Um, God. And, and I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, for the next generation that uh, uh, comes after me will enjoy uh, uh, removing the soil from my driveway as it will become a super fun site. Uh, clearly. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully nobody from the state uh, DEP is, is, is watching this or listening to this. But um, well, it's going to be contaminated soil, huh, Mark? <laughs> it is going to be okay yeah um is ron is that your ranger this was my situation over the weekend yeah ron's building one of those uh 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 
what do you call it? A low rider cars where the, the bed comes off and it dances around on hydraulics. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> that would be better than this. Oh, that was my the so, barb. Oh, you know, there was all kinds of stuff in the in the barb that from my connector left over from when they machined it. Stainless steel oh, left good. in there. Luckily, it never went into what, the fuel. What is that? Was what are you doing? You, you get into your gas tank, or what? What are you looking there for? Oh, uh, when the squirrels ate the fuel line, I patched it up, and then they <laughs> ate it again, and I patched it up, and I get it was like so many times. So it was all these patches. So finally, I was like, all right, I got the time. It's time. It was leaking a little. I was like, all right. Let me put one line in. So I go to put one line in, and of course, it was like you know a, a a bit of a disaster. It took a long time, and then I don't know if you know, but uh, these type of connectors. Hold on. So are are you driving your pickup truck with no bed on it right now? No, no, no. It, it's all back together. Okay. But these type of connectors, you have to use no heat, and you need a very focused amount of pressure. To push them on, Kirk, you've you're nodding like you've been there and done this. Oh, uh, many different things, and you push it in too hard, it, it bends, and you Kinks, and yeah. you already cut the hose to a particular length so it doesn't kink, and then uh, there's not enough length to actually make it stick. Oh my God, let me show you what. Yeah, and I thought you know heat is kind of what every, what everybody shows online, and you think okay, well that's the way to go, but actually this is the the setup that works is you need a hose clamp uh you need a vice and you need a little bit of grease and then what you do is you place a a c clamp in between i don't know if you can see my mouse in between the backing plate and the other piece you could start no this is something else you could start by is jan helping me out you could start by pushing it in but then you got to use a c clamp and you have to pressure out. It's a forehand operation. It's madness. Unless you buy the tool, which is $100 a couple days away. So uh, this was trying to get it done Sunday at uh, 12 at night, you know. But Ron she's is, back. Ron is very good at taking the bed off his pickup truck because he's had it off in my driveway, too. Yeah. So it seems to be coming yeah. a it's becoming a thing. Yeah, I could take that bet off. Like, give me, give me a, give me a cherry picker and uh, a number fifty-five uh, 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 Torx bit. I'm that bed's coming off. It just goes. It's only six bolts and a little thing on the here. And uh, you know, this is me, proud as hell of a '96 Ranger. Someone would throw this out yesterday. It was like, sir. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, we all have projects. Uh, oh, okay. So, Mark, what the hell is going on with this Honda in the background there? <laughs> uh, well, do you even strike the arc, or are you just talking about the arc? What's going I, on? Well, did you did you watch the video? I no, mean, I didn't if watch, you I didn't yeah, watch. no, of course you didn't. Now, if you watch it, so yeah. If you actually watch it, <laughs> you'll see that I do strike an arc twice, okay. twi tw twice, in twice. fact. No, it's true. It's not easy to get it started. That's one of the most difficult things. But what I like about what you've done is you've created uh, the flipped classroom, and you do it in your way. You know, uh, anybody could find a welding video, but you spent the time. I think you're mic'd up, right? You put a, a lava. Yeah, lava. Yeah. He he spends the time to do it, and these are invaluable because now he can use them every year. 
you just you email it to the kids that are having trouble. Uh, you know, and I would encourage well, that's pretty good. You didn't get it stuck. I would encourage any <laughs> any any all shop teachers, you know, you guys have the skills. A lot of people are photographers and woodworkers and whatnot. And what you do is you have a, a, a list of of your of your videos, and then so he's got his grinder demo, abrasives. He's got his welding protective, the arc strike. Oh, and you know, then he does some projects and whatnot. You know, uh, shadow maker. The rest are shadow makers. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy to make videos, so I understand why there's not 400 videos here. Now this is cool, the abrasive one. What's going on here? Uh, abrasives, grinder. Yeah, what yeah, is it? Let me see. Which oh, one you, sorry, I wasn't sharing. Which one are you that. looking at? Sorry about that. This one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's uh, <laughs> this is me uh, in my uh, my home sh part of my home shop. And, it looks bigger uh, in the photo here. In the in the, it's not as big as it looks. <laughs> no, this is about right. You've been. No, I don't. I, I have no idea how, but he's got. Every like a full machine shop in just one piece of the basement. It's unbelievable. Right. And then it, other... it, is, it is unbelievable. And I, you know, I having served time on a nuclear submarine can attest that I felt very in Mark's. Nice. Yeah, it, it, it worked. Did you say at home? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, felt, I, I felt very much at home. I wanted you to feel comfortable. So that's why I made it this way. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is part of my home shop, which is yeah. I don't have enough room for the things that I have. I you know I've got stuff pretty pretty much the entire basement of the house is filled with uh, equipment. I've got what's on the, what's on the backside there, Ron? The toolboxes are back there. The workbench, the vise, the Arbor Press, my hydraulic press. What else? Uh, Oh, I have my um, jeweler's table. Yeah, the jeweler stuff, the um, uh, the rolling Weld, mill welder. Yeah, the one welder's back there, and uh, actually two of them now. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. There's yeah. a lot of things, and yeah. if if you were to watch this, I even talk about some stuff that's in this room that you can't see. Um, but anyway, so if you fast forward it, Ron, uh, then I I shift over to the college. And I speak very, oh. very briefly about, I think it's coming. There you go. Right there. Right there. Oh. Yes. So then, then I, um, had crazy, oh, wow. crazy hair that day. Um, and then, uh, you know, I shift over to the college. I just talk a little bit about how those grinding wheels are mounted to the, to the grinder itself. Um, and then I move from this to just a very, very, very quick, description of what's going on with the uh, surface grinder and um i normally in a regular non-hybrid class i have the time to do a full in-person demonstration on the surface grinder and i tell them a little bit about how i've used the surface grinder for work you know in an industrial environment um, and that's one thing that's important to me is you know i've got the experience using this equipment in an industrial environment. And I think that helps stories about what I've done with it helps relate to what they're doing or what they may want to do in the future. So, um, 
you know, in, in fact, I had a student that graduated this semester from the college, you know, uh, an adult student. And he wrote a very nice uh, email thanking me for incorporating stories about my experiences into the course content so that it would relate. And I think that that's very important for for any of the shop teachers to do, because, you know, we've all got some experience with, you know, working in an industry. I this is like really good stuff. Imagine if every shop teacher did like ten videos at least, then you'd have so many. You know, like uh, uh, but it doesn't. It never replaces your own because um, sure. you can always look up some video, you know, and some good YouTuber or whatever. But the thing about it is that uh, it's you, you know, and your students appreciate that. Uh, like yeah. Timmy, if you did like a do you have any videos doing a, a, a wood turning videos explaining how to mount up to the, you know, to your to the chuck and all that stuff? No, I haven't done anything like that. And it's funny you should ask yeah. because oh, yeah. I, I certainly could do that. I'm, I mean, I have a there's a wood turning lathe in my shop too at home. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and and it's it's just meant for small things. But you know, I've made some interesting things with that, and yeah, and that's very helpful. I have a knife grinder, a knife grinder, oh, yeah. belt belt sander for knife making um i am not a knife maker the way that you know people call themselves knife makers i you know but yeah. i like i like to explore that stuff and and i've used it for a lot of other things yeah uh, besides you know one of my favorite videos ron is the one that is you're showing on the screen now in the upper right hand corner is the immortan joe symbol plasma cut this is a a very short video it's only what two minutes and 20 seconds long yeah and, you know, one of the things that I was going to mention earlier when we were discussing some things is how students have become so used to having high tech tools around all the time that they expect to see 3D printers and laser cutters and stuff like that all the time. Now, I am using a, a, a plasma cutter here and, you know, that's, I guess, a high tech tool in a sense, but but it's not CNC. It's not a CNC machine. And, you know. In this video, like I said, it's only two minutes long. I'm showing them that with the right technique and a little practice, you can cut things out uh, that are very useful and practical uh, by hand cutting them. And um, the artwork for this, I, I didn't draw this out. I found an image on, uh, uh, on the web and I enlarged it. I printed it out and then I you know, cut it out and used it as a, a template for this. Looks and, like the steering wheel from Mad Max. Well, you know, it's incorporated into the steering wheels in, in Fury Road. And uh, well, that's where the symbol is really from. It's from Fury Road. I mentioned that in here. And this is a piece of stainless steel. And, um, you know, I explained a little bit of the technical aspect of trying to cut stuff out of stainless steel. Um, but it's not extensive. Like I said, it's a short video. Yeah, it's cool. And... Um, you know, it's been successful. A lot of students have commented about it. Um, my point, though, here is, is that you don't need a CNC plasma table to cut stuff out. And you don't necessarily need to have, uh, you know, an, an expensive template. I mean, you can use something like masonite or thin plywood, draw something out, cut it out, and then use the plasma cutter around it. It's not going to last that long because it's wood and it's going to burn, but it works. And... You know, for what this is, this is good enough. 
And, yeah. Um, you know, the students have done very, very creative things when I explain to them that there's so much you can do without having a $75,000 laser cutter or, a, you know, a $25,000 CNC plasma table. You know, there's, yeah. an awful, there's an awful lot you can do if you just build up your skills and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to try stuff. Just experiment. Cool. Just experiment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if uh, if uh, other shop teachers have done videos like this. I think these are very valuable. Tim, Tim, have you done any uh, how to how to hook up to your Chuck and type of thing? You know, student straightforward stuff. You know, I, I have not. I think part of it is more or less confidence on my end. Um, I have to build up the confidence enough to do it. And, and you know, yeah, that's, under, that's having, understandable. Having the right, having the right tools, having the right setup, having the right, you know, production elements, if you will, to to do that. Um, but I haven't really. I mean, I guess with COVID now, I've had a need, but I haven't really had a need. And okay. I almost, I, I almost do feel it's a confidence thing because, you know, you don't want to be that guy that puts this video up there up on YouTube and then get torn apart for, you know, something you said or something you set up and, you know, you get the, the, the couch, the couch jockeys and, you know, they're telling you, you know, Oh, you did it wrong. This is the wrong way to do it. My way is better. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. You know, because as soon as you put it up there, I mean, if you make it private, then you're the only one that can see it. Um, but I, I think from something that's very technical, I think the confidence part of that needs to, for me, needs to be there. That's under, It's understandable. It's understandable. And that's uh, why if you, if you look at my YouTube, there's really nothing of me doing anything. It's either the kids processing something or it's more raw footage, if you will, or just miscellaneous stuff that I've recorded. And, and to me, that's okay. But like I said, it's, it's a confidence thing to get me up there. Yeah, I a hundred percent understand. This is an example of me. Like literally, I, I just get, I'm too frustrated with like explaining how to use this shear machine over and over again. So this is like, literally, I just hand them the phone and that that's like, not the best way to do it, but it's, I'm just like, all right, take the phone and I'm like, all right, Hey, this is the thing we're going to do. Da, 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 da. I'm like, all right, this is basically it. Grab your, you know, here's, and I mark it and I'm like, all right, use this, use that. And believe it or not, it kind of works. You don't really need much. What I was surprised is actually this kid did follow what I was doing. I don't even remember who recorded this, you know? And what's good is that, like, it works. You know, you can kind of, and, you know, like a lot of times, sometimes they'll screw up the head space, like up here. You see how it's tight? But sometimes they'll screw up that up. I'll, the whole video will be here. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, down down here, you know. Uh, so at least they're, you know, uh, you know, I show them, all right, get it to touch. And I explain it. And then I, you know, then I hit the thing. So, it's if I waited for it to be perfect, I would never have done it. And this saved me a ton of time, you know. You know, Ron. Ron, I was going to say, um, you know, for me, it's always been about like scripting out 
what I want to say first before I make a video because I'm just afraid I'm going to miss something because I think we all, it's, it's in our nature to assume the kids understand what we're talking about. Yeah. So I just think, I, I think of it from, you know, from the very minute details like, okay, well, this is a pencil. Okay. And then I might even give them a little history about the pencil. And this is how, when you're drawing something, you should be holding the pencil. It doesn't mean that you can't hold it a different way, but to get the most effect out of certain things, this is the way you do it, right? And then a T-square or a triangle. I mean, you know, because we do a lot of um, manual drafting and drawing tools first before we get into CAD and computer-aided industrial design and that stuff. Um, and just because I know that kids get so frustrated, a kid sawing with an X-Acto knife a piece, <laughs> a, a, a piece of cardboard. Yeah. Like, like literally using it as a saw. And I know Mark, Mark's laughing because he knows. It's just like, oh, my yeah. good God. Yeah. You know? Well, I have students that use the file and they and they just run it backwards. You know, they just go like this on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're only, they're only touching the material on the backstroke. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't work that way. You know? <laughs> Yeah. When we were in, when we were in person, I would have them file, and I would teach them how to file, and I would teach them how to use the hacksaw, and you know all these very basic things that I talked about earlier that a lot of students just have no inherent knowledge of because they never cut a piece of wood that they got from the construction site down the street, and you know tried to make something out of it. But I, I wanted to comment, if for if I could, for a second to Tim, I totally can relate to your trepidation about putting yourself on the camera and running the risk of, you know, being criticized, uh, you know, unfairly or even fairly. It's hard to take people saying negative things about what you've done, especially when you've put so much work into it and it represents a body of work that you've. Uh, developed over a long period of time but you know somebody that i'm a huge fan of and some of you maybe are aware of this guy tim hunkin from england he used to host a show with rex garrett uh called the secret life of machines and it was originally originally aired in the 90s i believe it was you know, i think the mid 90s or early 90s uh and then it got picked up by um by american television it was a, a bbc uh, program and this this guy's my hero he really is in so many different ways and one of the things that's really nice is that in the uh episodes of the tv show um they they make mistakes and in fact he has uh um re-released re uh restored versions of the tv shows of many of the different episodes and at the end of these uh, newer versions, these cleaned up versions, he does a little talk about like what went wrong and what was fun and, you know, things he was disappointed in. My point is, is that it's never perfect. And he now has a series called The Secret Life of Components, which has been filmed recently. Um, he's a much older man than he is here in, in this video. And... Um, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, oh, well, there were comments that I, I miscategorized this or I didn't explain this thoroughly or or I had a, a fact incorrect. And he admits to that. 
Um, and it's not because he's not capable. This is a Cambridge University educated mechanical engineer. And he's also an artist and a cartoonist. And, uh, you know, he's been very successful and he's he works for a number of museums developing displays. And Those he's are also hand pump vacuums. Yeah, these are all early vacuums that he's done. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Some some of these things are just wacky machines. Look at um, those chops, baby. I like them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like them. He, he absolutely looks quite, quite British. Um, and uh, but but he's he's wonderful. And I don't know, Ron, if you can uh, grab if you can go back a second on the videos and grab uh, a couple of seconds of one of the new ones um, from his channel. Yeah, if you know, if you look on the right and you scroll down, there's one called Connectors. Uh, here's everything. Okay, you know, you know, Mark. Though, but does that make what, like you said, that trepidation? Does that make that? Does it make just say myself or somebody that is, I guess, you know, nervous about doing that? I guess, oh. A low, lower level instructor, if you will. No, not at all. Makes no, not human. at all. Not at all. Yeah, I, it's I, you human. know. Uh, no, I, I think that that doesn't that that's kind of my point of what I said. I mean, this guy is a, a you know Cambridge University educated mechanical engineer, so he really knows what he's talking about. But nobody knows everything, and I tell right. my students that. I tell my students all the time. I said, I don't know everything. I don't know everything about anything none of us do and if if you're i think if you're a good student you're always open to learning new things if you're a good educator you're always open to learning new things i'm constantly learning new things that's part of the reason why i got i bought this microscope i'm always buying new stuff ron teases me he says oh you're the guy that has everything and you know no i do that i have everything i have everything yes um there's a particular reference to that but no, I don't. I don't think it diminishes the validity of explaining things to people. I, I mean, for for all of the for all of the things that you might think are not correct in a video that you see and fear you would make those same mistakes, there are a million videos out there where people are absolute buffoons talking about the same stuff and making horrible mistakes and in my opinion setting a terrible example for anyone that's watching the video and i say to my doesn't students, even have the the motor's not even mounted on this thing he doesn't care yeah well, he's, he's very he's very loose about doing things and he's not afraid and he's admitted that you know he takes chances with things he does things sometimes a little recklessly and that's just his own you know but it, but he's not offering it as a a tutorial for for someone to do anything um you can see from the video here which is current this is see, he doesn't even that's not even mounted yeah but he's got a couple of metal blocks around it so oh i don't care I'm just, it's like I'm wrong. Wrong. that's good enough that's good enough that, that's ron style right there yeah totally. absolutely absolutely yeah, i don't care clamp it down why you know yeah it's fine. <laughs> But, you know what uh, I would, you know what I would say oh god oh wow what the hell is this it's a it's a model it's a giant switch that he made it's a what the it's fuck a, is this it's a contact switch that he made and that's amazing look how big it is 
Yeah, and it works. I mean, it's you know he uses it to demonstrate the uh, uh, how it works. So the spring causes the contact to snap quickly. Therefore, the mechanism. Yeah, exactly. Reducing the this amount of awesome. Reducing the arcing, and that's why switches are made the way that they are because you want the contact and disconnect time to be very short. So the the spring makes it snap. That's why your wall switches click when you when you flick them up and down. A good that's quality switch. Cool. I, you know, I learned so. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, cool. you know, he, he, he's real. I, I, I love this guy. I think this guy does a great job with explaining things and he's great with kids and, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's very much sought after. He works with the Exploratorium in uh, San Francisco. Oh, wow. Also, he spends about two months a year uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, and here is, he's talking about like why these switches, why do they t run so slowly? You know, it's and, like the and, British uh, Bill Nye. Yeah, in a way, yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, cool. Um, so, now, I would, I would say, oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, you Mark. know what? You, you know, I just wanted to add one last thought. You know, for for what Tim said earlier about. Yeah you know, so having some trepidation about this. And I think Dave's point earlier that he, he may have mentioned is definitely what I use to reduce my trepidation about making a video. And that is preparation. Even, even if you have to scripting stuff. Um, and, you know, I helped Ron with a video. Do you have that video that you oh, shot yeah. at my house? Yeah. And, you know, here, you know, most of the time Ron is shooting kind of like shooting from the hip with his cell phone. Yeah. Um, but he asked me to help him with a video um, that we shot at my place. And that was the, what was that? That was the gal, gal uh, galvanometer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can see the, 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 the look is somewhat different. I think this is your own, uh, this is your own. Just to get it started. Phone but... uh, video. Yeah. And at some point, I don't know what happened here, or was I holding it, or was you doing? No, that was just to get started, and then now, I, now it's here. actually on a tripod, and he's operating the focus, and yeah, yeah, like there's an actual plan now. So, and I would, I would stop Ron and say, "Oh, what about this?" Or did you talk about that? And he'd be like, "Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that." So it's really helpful to either have somebody else that's working with you or to have a script. I'm usually by myself. Ron doesn't help me with anything. He's just off running around and doing something else and taking the bed off of his pickup truck for no reason. And <laughs> so I'm usually shooting stuff by myself. So my videos are very static. The camera's always sitting on a tripod. Um, but, you know, hey, it's video, so you can always shoot stuff over again. Oh, and then look, you can always just do B-roll. This is a B-roll situation coming up right now. Yeah. In like 10 seconds. Yep. See, oh, here, I'm going to enter this thing. And what I found was there's no way to show that with the camera. So then later on, I just shot it with another handheld. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Here I am doing it right now. But then later, it's edited in. See? Uh, I think it's coming up in a second. Tim, I had a video, too. I shot the whole thing. And I hadn't edited it all together yet. And there looked, we go. Yep. That's There's it. the B-roll. And, and I looked at the scenes I shot, and I was just like, this is absolutely horrible. 
<laughs> and I and I went back and I shot it over again. Um, so, you know, it's stressful. I got to tell you, I I remember during pandemic, I shot this like long thing where I had a top view, a side view, and a whole thing. I was going to edit it all together. A, you know, the thing is, what works best. You got to work with what's best for you. But what, yeah. what what works best for me is I'm not so much trying to nail down like the ultimate. I don't know if this helps, Tim. I'm not trying to nail down, and not just for Tim, anybody. I'm not trying to nail down the ultimate video. If, you, if you're doing that, you've got to do what Mark's doing where you like have a script and you have a good camera lens and you got a good mic and you, you got to do a lot of stuff. You know, and that's great. And I would need Mark's help or somebody that knows a lot about cameras more than I do to actually do that. I don't even own these cameras. You know, I have like a GoPro maybe. But what what I do is and what Tim does on a daily basis, which is let me ask you this. Regularly, if someone asks you, let, let's say September, right? What's gonna happen in September if it was normal? If it was normal. And you're going to do the lathe. I don't know if you do the lathe in September, maybe October. But let's just say, and the kids just crowd around you and you're like, all right, look. The moment you go, okay, look, let me show you this thing, that when that happens, stop and give one of the kids your cell phone. That's the video for me. And then you don't have to worry about it because you're not really worried about the camera. You're just trying to deliver what you normally been delivering for the last 15 or 20 years, you know? So I don't know. Does that help at all? No, I mean, that does, that does help. I mean, that's, and I think that's, that's a good approach, you know, because you're yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking to the camera. I'm talking to whoever's in the room, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, and, and ironically, I mean, I know you said 15, 20 years, but literally I've only been teaching in the wood shop five years, six years. So, that's the other side of it. Not that I, I mean I'm not the end all be all, but no, nah, your stuff's beautiful. Come on, but the thing, gorgeous. but the thing is like, you know, that is a good approach where you know give the kids the camera, I guess you know, and I would never, never would have thought of doing that. Yeah, and the thing is like, it, and it's not. It wasn't so much to make videos, although you know you got you guys know I like doing this stuff, but. It's not so much to be like on YouTube. It's like literally a time saver. It's so that you don't have to do it. You, you, you don't have to always teach the lesson. I literally am like, oh, you want to learn that the drill press? You never use a drill press? Okay, watch this. Email it to them. They watch it and they're like, okay, I know how to use it now. And I'm like, no, you don't. Let me see. And then there they are. They're like following the procedure. Because I'll on purpose break stuff and mess up in the video. And then that's actually helpful. Yeah. You know, like this video is terrible. Like the, the, you could see, I, look, I just threw the thing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think we got to, you know, I don't know if you follow along here, but like I totally screwed this thing up. I had to rebuild it on the fly in front of the camera. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and make this thing. I had to like change it so many times, uh, but that actually helped. You know, here's my uh, drill press video. I mean, it, that is a good idea. I mean, just give the kids the camera and then go from there. I, I think that is a good approach. I mean, like I said, it's not something I ever thought about. You know, another thing you can do too is is that um, you can do voiceover on it. So 
if you do a video where you're talking on it, you, you know, your, your face isn't on the video, but you're talking over what you're doing. If you, if you screw it up, you can always go back and just do a voiceover. The, um, the Immortan Joe plasma cutting video was all voiceover. And I don't oh, do that. Oh, yeah. I don't do that most of the time. And I didn't do it that time because I made mistakes, but it was far easier rather than trying to talk over the sound of the air shooting out of the nozzle and, you know, distracting myself from, you know, trying to cut this thing out. Um, so that's another technique. Um, you know, post but the Mark, you got a good, you got a good radio voice though. Right. You, you, you have a good, you have that good voiceover. Thank you. Sound. You, you do. You just have that very calm, very collected. You know, you just have the right, the right radio voice for voiceovers. And it, it always it works. It always makes me laugh when when people say that. I, nah, I, I, Ron, does. Ron's been saying that for a long time too. He's just like, oh, you've got you've got the voice for it. And, and he does voices and stuff. In the world. And yeah, it'll <laughs> that's work. right. That's right. <laughs> and the thing is, I was and I was in radio. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's and great. You don't, and you have the voice. I mean, you have that. You have that voiceover sound, which is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, yeah, you I, know, it's it's funny. Um, we were talking about uh, having the experience of having to, you know, talk in front of the students and describe something. And you know, I learned really early on in my career that <laughs> you really have to kind of flesh out how professionally you're going to present the material because I remember doing a, a video, not a video, a presentation, live pre presentation about how to use the drill press. So, and I'm, I, you know, of course I've got teenagers, right? So mostly guys. So I'm like, well, okay. So you take the butt end of the bit and you oh. insert it in the, in, I mean, you're on, done in, right the there. stickering, the laughing and the, you know, yeah. the, you know, cajoling. It's just, you know, you have to really kind of censor oh, yourself in a way, but God. also keep it professional without, and they were making me crack up. So well, that's, <laughs> that's funny you say that because the other day I was doing, I was doing a demonstration on soldering and, you know, I show, I, I'm, you know, I got 10 kids in the class and uh, I show them the wire cutters and then I go out and I grab them. And I show them the, uh, di the diagonal cutters. And I say that this is the wire cutter. This is a stripper. Da, 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 da. And um, I said, but you got to remember, these are called diagonal cutters. Well, today, kid walks up to me and goes, yo, Mr. Z, where are the dikes at? And I said, right, right. I said, I said, that's good you call them dikes because that's like the term, like that's like the right term for them. Old school. Old school. Yeah. That, and, that is and, and I'm like, yep. I can't, I can't call them dikes in a class full of 10 males. Yeah. Know? Nah. So what, like, what am I going to say? I'm doing, I'm doing an electrical lesson talking about strippers and dikes, you know, Heck like yeah. <laughs> they'll remember it. They will, they will share that with their parents. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yo, my teacher's talking try, about try dikes it. today. Dikes try try saying talk or talk gun all day. Oh <laughs> my God. Well, when, that, that, when I'm soon, superintendent. When you're working on the metal lathe and you're facing apart, you have to center the tool so that it cuts all the way to the dead center. And if the tool is too high or the tool is too low, you end up leaving 
a nub in the middle of it. And I used to say, uh, it leaves, it leaves a little tit in the center. And of course the class just fell apart <laughs> and that was the end of that. So then I, I was like, oh, okay. And then I, I think at one point I called it a nipple, which was just as bad. Yeah. Nipple, nipple is not good. No, the, no used, that's not good. I've used that term on the, on the wood lathe. Cause it's like, yeah. that, it's that thing in the center. You can't get rid of us is you yeah. got to get rid of that nipple. And you're like, yeah. and you're like and then, oh man, I just said nipple in class. That, you know? That's the <laughs> And that's, that's the, end. the other thing, you know, that's the end. It's so, like, so, so, now, so now I go to, um, you know, protrusions and, you know, all kinds of ways to just avoid any kind of double entendres and, uh, or, or single entendres. Oh my God. Uh, it's just, yeah. And, and I, I'm also, you know, Ron knows I'm very sarcastic. Dave knows, geez. I mean, we laugh each other silly talking about stuff and, you know, I'm very sarcastic and, you know, I'm very easy going with the students in the class and sometimes, you know, things slip out and I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. So I have to be careful about what I say because, you know, we're in an environment where, you know, there's a good possibility that you say the wrong thing and somebody's going to be offended. And there was no intent by, behind it and there was no insult intended. But, you know, it's just the nature of things now. Or it creates an opportunity for tomfoolery, hijinks, and shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, my favorite the funny word. Thing is, I, I shenanigans. Use, I use the example as if you know, like, we're, of course, we're a family in the in the room, and you know, by the time you're a hundred, hundred twenty days into the school year, mm. you know, you, you pretty much know, you know, the overall temperature of the room. Sure. I said, but like, if I started talking about dykes and strippers and somebody walked by the room, oh yeah, you know, and the door was open, you know, 98% of the time, it's not going to be the person in the room that's going to report you. Right. It's that miscellaneous person that walks by and says, I heard a teacher talking about dykes, strippers, and nipples, you know, like, mm. you know, and then that's what I get. And then that's what I get worried about. It's, it's that random yeah. person that. So, you know, you got to eliminate that terminology as best you can. That's yeah. Right. Well, if uh, the two-drink uh, minimum wasn't added into that equation, you'd be okay. Uh, Tim, please report to the superintendent's office. Tim, report to the superintendent's office. Well, what I do yeah. now. <laughs> See, I, I, let those, I let those words stay in there so because it grabs the kids' attention and they remember. I say, screw it. <laughs> Actually, I say, screw it and nail it. And my well, I cannot so, yeah. believe what okay, I I'll cut the tip. Yeah, with the caulk. With the <laughs> caulk. As soon as soon as, like, and I ask him who wants to be the caulk master, and <laughs> I just let him go. It, it, and you know what? They, yeah, Dave, it's, it's, Dave. why fight it? It's gonna happen because here's the thing: those kids are gonna say way more rated R stuff than me making or letting them say caulk or, na you know, nailing it, screwing it. That's true. That's Would true. <laughs> I mean you can't yeah. get around it, and it's part yeah. of it. And but the thing well, is, then is, they remember. It, it yep. is part of it. It is part of it, and yeah. it is. And that's why I said you got to read the temperature of the room. I mean, that's the other yes. thing. Yes. So, yeah. You know, you got to know what your surroundings are. Dave, how do you say? Uh, how do they say "cock" in in uh, Boston? I'm on there. <laughs> <laughs> Put it this way, 
They say instead of gorgeous, they say everything is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, you know, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's definitely that's the other thing is the accents. Um, and I I have a lot of girls in my class too, so that makes it uh, sure. definitely important to watch what you're saying. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, when I get to know the students in in the class, you know, it can get a little salty at times and I think it disarms them and it makes me look less of a stiff, you know, because, you know, they look at me and, and, you know, they're like, yes, Mr. Belzeret, you know, and I'm like, all right, all right, <laughs> as you were, you know, it, it's just, uh, and, and it relaxes them a little bit. I believe in having the classroom environment, regardless of what I'm teaching, whether it's math or welding, um, you know, that the students are relaxed because I don't think anybody nobody performs well when they're when they're under a lot of tension i use a megaphone Is that i okay? have one too i have a megaphone too i will not ruin my voice yeah yelling yelling I'm over done a with room that. full of machinery yeah you I know use, i've got uh, six literally... milling machines and four lathes running and then somebody's plasma cutting with the air uh, i'm not going to yell over that so yeah i use this one i bought it on amazon it was 20 bucks. It was like one of the best things I ever did. Uh, here you go. You just get one of these. Yeah. <laughs> what I have. That's what I have. Yeah. I'm like, one. all right, listen up. And they, they, they enjoy it because uh, they know that I, they're yelling too much. And I used to be like, okay, quiet down. You guys got to be quiet. Yeah, okay. I Throw that project in the garbage. I, I just use my best Lee Ermery and I go, Jesus, hey. Christ, <laughs> That's right. I wanted to show you this before I forgot. When I make the videos, you know, you just make them like really stupid dumb. Like it's a drill press. Oh. <laughs> there you go, you know. <laughs> yeah, you just got to make it like really obvious, you know. Uh, even with the diagonal cutters because it's a diagonal. <laughs> you know that's funny yeah you could just like it, the same way you talk to the kids uh you could just have someone record that and you know the problem is that actually you know what you'd be surprised speaking of being quiet and loud in the class when you're recording they respect that i have no idea why but i'm like all right quiet on the set and they quiet it's gone there's nothing the whole class they're paying attention so the video camera, for some reason, does something. You know, they're paying attention because it's live. You know, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm letting the kids. I'm letting the kids run the TikTok account next year. Oh hell yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. We got because I don't. I don't get TikTok. I don't understand it. Like Instagram, I'm good, but TikTok. I, so they're yeah. pros at it. So yeah, they they. I will give them my phone. I will post, but they get to do. They and part of their thing is they got to. Part of it has to. Not just be, I mean, it could be silly and fun. I'm fine with that. But at the same time, also, they got to talk, you know, it has to provide some content or something, or if they're showing a tip or a trick or whatever, like I'll, I'll, I'll keep it pretty loose. It doesn't have to be real stiff and on, you know, I'll make it, it's all for them. But yeah, they're getting full reign on the TikTok producing, I suppose. I'll, I'll still oh, yeah. control the publishing part, but. You know, I, I just thought of something that I wanted to bring up quickly, and that is that I have been working on uh, creating QR codes 
that I can stick right to the front of my machine. Oh yeah, that'd be good. And the students can scan that in real time while they're in the shop. And if they don't remember something, they can just scan the QR code and it pulls up my video explaining how to do whatever it is they, they were looking to do. And uh, even recently I've had my students in class with their iPads watching my videos in preparation of doing an operation on the machine. So that's been very helpful. Um, and, and I was really glad to see them doing that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, don't be on your cell phone and shop, pay attention to what you're doing. This, this equipment is potentially hazardous. It can take your fingers off. It can cut you badly. You can really be injured. Um, so pay attention and don't be a distracted. But at the same time, the students have been very respectful of utilizing it at the appropriate time. And the other, just the other day, uh, today's what, Wednesday, I think it was Monday, uh, the students were actually referencing the videos that I had posted. And I don't have the QR codes up yet, but I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, that's the perfect thing. I mean, somebody comes in, especially during regular semester times, not, not this whole COVID thing where they're, you know, they're not allowed to be, there's no open lab times. Uh, they, they have to be there with me. But normally we have a lot of open lab time. And there isn't necessarily someone there that can teach them how to do something. There's a, a lab assistant there, of course, all the time for safety uh, and, you know, keep the place uh, from getting out of hand. But uh, they're not necessarily qualified to teach all of the different skills and the operations of all the machines. So I'm thinking the QR code where they can just like, oh, I, I forget how that end mill gets mounted. Is it going to drill chuck or a collet? And they can pull up the video and it's right there. You know, they don't even have to access the college has very good Wi-Fi, uh, so they don't have to access their computers. The, you know, they don't have to go through all of that. So I think that's a good way of using yeah. the videos. I think that's that is pretty good. That's yeah, that is a pretty good way. Well, uh, uh, we can hang out, but I think, you know, we could end the recording here. Uh, you know, uh, unless there's anything else you want to add uh, about. I think the QR code is a good idea. Uh, I have a few of them, but I never followed up with all of them, and there should be like a series. Um, all right, well, we usually hang out for a bit afterwards, just being casual, but yeah, that's why we always try to end the recording. So Wednesday nights, actually, uh, speaking of the calendar and whatnot, I think we have J uh, Justin uh, Dietrich coming up. He's super popular on Instagram. Everybody kind of knows him. Uh, he's going to be not next week. I think the week after. I can't remember. Um, we might have Todd Menadier. He does a solar program and there's like a scholarship attached to it coming up. And then there's also, um, uh, oh, uh, oh man. Um, oh geez. I forgot. I'm so sorry. I forgot her name is, uh, Tiffany. Tiffany is a welder, professional welder, but she teaches at a college in, uh, or a trade school in California. And she's on there and she does something called the women's welding syndicate. So we got a whole bunch of uh, guests coming up. And I realized that uh, uh, the best way to get the guests is for, one is to go through the Instagram and just say, hey, you know, you guys, I, I like when people share stuff and whatnot. So, hey, do you want to be on the show? Da, da, da. And then the other way is if people are winning awards and they want to talk about why they won the award. You know, like Matt, you were running that, the, the workshop or the, the, you know, your 16, the sweet 16. That was a great episode because we've got in depth, you know? 
And then, uh, you know, so, and also Kirk and, uh, David, feel free. If you ever want to do a shop tour, we're always down with that. Uh, and then we got our regulars, you know, people come in, uh, you know, Tim, Duke, you know, Matt, and, uh, you know, there's a couple others that are here. Oh, where's, where's Nick? And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then there's also a guy in Australia that used to be here all the time. So, you know, and it depends. There's a couple other people that pop in. So we're going to have more things going on. Uh, I, I love this show because I like I, it's it's it really is a good time to catch up with the late and I get ideas. And then it's funny because some of the stuff I already know what the guest is going to say. And then when we do the show, I turns out I learned something new, you know, so I didn't know. I didn't know Mark was messing around with a trinocular. This is serious. This is yeah. uh, a new word day for, for you. <laughs> I, it's just i just get roasted i, I think it's funny <laughs> <laughs> so all right well cool so we'll end the recording here and uh we'll hang I, out for a bit i think we should right. have a seg i think we should have a segment that says new word ron's new word for the day <laughs> <laughs> this week was trinocular <laughs> yeah